0: Scare podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak.
1: And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans.
0: And, uh, Joe, we are back, uh, uh, for another thrilling episode of the Cinescare podcast. We've got some movies to talk about. We've got a, uh, Chicago area ghost story at the end that we'll do. Um, and uh, you know, I just noticed on my name on uh on our recording thing here, I've got a little weird bracket at the end. Did you see that? I, I see it now. Now I can't yeah. not see it. <laughs> That's very strange. Yeah. Anyway, I'm th- this is thrilling for everyone. All but, the listeners uh, at home, I'm sure, are getting a lot out of that. <laughs> oh, he had a bracket at the end of his name. Amazing. <laughs> um,
1: An hour and a half of talking about
0: typos. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. I. Uh, Well, Joe, I got to say that we are now, we're fully into 2021. It's not, you know, I've written it now on a couple of checks. Uh, I have written it on uh, signing my name on things or whatever. So it's official. Once I've written the new year on a check or on a piece of paper or whatever, that's it. So once you've committed it to muscle memory, it's now officially, yeah. I believe I've, I've written it enough that I won't make that mistake. I rarely make that mistake, but yeah. Um, but I think it, we're officially there. So it's our new abnormal, is what I thought we'd call this episode. Joe, ab abnormal, ab abnormal. We've yeah. got a new president coming this week. We've tomorrow, got tomorrow as we record this. Yes, and uh, we've got a new year. Uh, we've got a new strain of coronavirus running around. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's by the new. time
1: by the time this episode comes out, the president will be old again, and yeah. uh, we might have yet another. Uh, version of the coronavirus could be yeah and and murder hornets or flaming monkeys or whatever's next on the horizon for they're gonna
0: throw at us yeah Yeah. um so well this week this couple weeks joe i i didn't watch a lot of movies but i what i did watch i i was ambivalent about (laughs) no there there were a couple there was one or two i liked uh one was kind of a uh sort of a, uh, a a hearkening back for me. I, one I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, but, um, the first thing I'm going to talk about is a little series on Netflix that is, is, I I guess the, the kids are calling it viral, Joe. Uh, and, and like coronavirus or no, no. The other, the good viral, Oh the good viral. Okay. Yeah. Spreading. I think what they, like hepatitis, well, no, I think what the kids mean by viral is it is uh, uh, what's it, what do they call? It? <laughs> no, I can't even think of it. What do they call that when uh, something grows exponentially? Oh, exponential. <laughs> uh, and so I think that's what they mean by virus. It's exponentially growing. Okay. Um, what was I talking about?
1: I I don't something some sort of hepatitis.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, a certain hepatitis on Netflix called yeah. The Night Stalker. And it is, I believe, a four-part series, uh, if if I'm not mistaken. It and is four. It yeah. is
1: four, yeah.
0: Yeah. And... Uh, Beneath the sunlit glamour of 1985, L.A. lurks a relentlessly evil serial killer. In this true crime story, two detectives won't rest until they catch him. And it's very well done. They're going to need coffee. What's that? They're going to need quite a lot of coffee. Yes. Yes. Well, they won't rest. No. I'm I'm assuming it'll... They used to do uh,
1: Vibrin. Vibrin and Jolt Cola. It was 1985. They had that back then. Yeah.
0: What did you do in college when you're trying to stay up? Vibrant. Lots Vibrant. Of it. Jolt Cola, if it was available. And then you had me waking you up in the morning. Uh, At the
1: wee hours of the
0: morning, yeah, yeah. After a night of binging on Colt 45. Yeah. I'd come in with your, grab your guitar and start singing. I, th- th- those of you out there who don't know. Uh, those of you I, who weren't in my dorm room. <laughs> well, most of them were, I'm thinking. Yeah. but. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Joe, I used to wake him up. I had an early class. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I had an early class and I had to be at school very early. So I'd swing by Joe, the house that he rented with a bunch of guys and, uh, grab a guitar and, and sing a little Joe waking up song.
1: Yes. It was, uh, the best way to wake up in the morning other than getting kicked in the nuts by a mule. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my uh, only two choices every
0: day. Yeah.
1: Well A and then to, kick in the nuts
0: i, I as you, you used to sing that um that one asshole song
1: oh dennis leary
0: yeah, Dennis leary asshole year. uh yeah. and substitute my name in there yeah um which i was quite offended by yeah uh it was right. meant meant lovingly so back to the night stalker the this, night stalker, this show is is pretty creepy and it's I I obviously it's not technically a horror movie but it definitely is horrific and deals with um a real life uh slasher I guess uh only the reality it, it you know when you're watching a bunch of uh doofuses getting killed uh by Jason or by Michael Myers it it's one thing that the real Thing though is not quite so glamorous, and and this guy I I didn't know a lot about this story. I knew his, the Night Stalker's name was Richard Ramirez, and I knew that he had something having to do with worshiping Satan and 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 a lot of creepy stuff like that. But I really didn't know how awful he was. Like it, it's shocking the things that he did, and he was very uh, unlike most serial killers in that he he didn't really have a type it wasn't men or women it wasn't blonde women it wasn't brown haired women it was didn't matter the age they were all ages and literally all ages from kids to to um adults uh, to to elderly uh individuals and 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 so and the things that he did were were quite shocking i'm not going to give too much away because you haven't watched it yet but it is a you know it is it is pretty uh, awful the things that he did and I you know there's part of me that wonders sometimes these documentaries kind of border onto sensationalizing and exploitive get a little exploitive but this one walked a pretty fine line between that and it was and and there was some really interesting police procedural uh, information in there that. Um, that I think gave it, made it a, kind of a step above the typical serial killer documentary that you see on on streaming. So I highly recommend this. It's it's really really well done. Uh, it's quite en- engrossing. And if you start it on a weekend day early, you're not gonna you're not gonna be doing anything else that day until you finish it. We didn't do that. We started it in the evening, and so we finished it over a a few different evenings um but you can easily knock this one out in a day or two uh in one afternoon really um and and you will be hooked it's uh, the night stalker on Netflix so very very highly recommended although it it is not for the faint of heart there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh uh pictures and imagery photographs from crime scenes that are pretty disturbing, and and then one girl that he kidnapped when she was about six years old tells her story, and it's it's pretty disturbing as well. So, um, I, I you know, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, and uh, uh, it's it's not for something, it's not it. it they definitely go deep into it, so uh, you want to be prepared for that. But I I really do highly highly recommend it. I thought it was a great documentary.
1: So, your typical Hollywood happy ending though, uh well, it's like Princess Bride part two. I thought you didn't want me to give anything away., <laughs> well, that's true. All right, I'll see for myself,
0: yeah, definitely,
1: <laughs> okay. uh, let's see my first movie of the episode is the two thousand eighteen special cam c a m I saw this on Netflix uh, this you know, honestly, due to some things in my past, I'm a huge fan of watching. Bad people get what they deserve. Um, And this movie, for the most part, delivers that, at least up front. Um, What this whole movie is about, really, is there's a girl who's a, uh, she's a cam girl. Uh, What this means is she sits in front of a webcam all day, and she does whatever a bunch of horny, lonely guys will ask her to do, uh, as long as they're willing to pay enough for it. And her goal in all of this is to become the most popular, at least in the initially top 50 and then top 10, you know, she's striving for that number one spot on this particular uh, webcam website. And one day our poor little cam girl ends up getting her account hacked in a very peculiar way. And that's honestly, that's where this movie takes more of a sci-fi type turn. Um, But now she's, in order to try to make things right, she's got to utilize all the people that she's been stepping on all this time. Like the, uh, the guys that have been paying her with web coins and the other girls in the room, you know, she has to try to use those people's resources to try to get her life back to where it was. Um, I honestly, I was kind of hoping that the conclusion of the film would be more of a, uh, uh, transformation where she would actually learn from her mistakes. Uh, you don't exactly get that. I know that the the writer with the concept of this film, they were hoping that the audience would actually root for our protagonist, uh, who's so ambitious that you know she won't stop with what you know anything because of of her passion. Uh, kind of in the same vein of like a Black Swan movie or Whiplash. Um, however, this girl is in my opinion, despicable. Um, I just couldn't back her. I was actually hoping that she would never get her account back. But, uh, you know, go to community college, learn to type or something. But she's a really self-absorbed, narcissistic character. Um, the movie itself, honestly, the up until the sci-fi twist I was on board, I thought this was fairly decent. Uh, but th- the ending really left me kind of empty. So, you know, you can find this on Netflix. It, it was okay of a watch. I'd give it like 2 uh what are we doing? Slashes uh saw blades? whatever. 2. I give yeah, her a 2. Flashes. Okay. Um so I give her a 2, but uh anyway, that's the 2018 movie cam on Netflix. Uh
0: yeah, I I really liked that movie. I I um saw that I don't know, a year or so ago. I I wouldn't have, you know, put it in my top ten list that year or anything. But I I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I thought the 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 kind of doppelganger switch or whatever that happens, um, was interesting. I, I liked it. It wasn't one that I'd go back and watch again, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next movie is. Of a, it was a a revisit for me, and it is 1981's Dead and Buried, uh, directed by Gary Sherman. Uh, there's really a lot of people in it that you probably wouldn't know unless you're a big fan of the movie Flash Gordon. Did you see the original Flash or not original I, Flash Gordon, but the one with Queen and everything, right? Yes, yes, I've yeah. seen it. Uh, the main girl in that who plays uh, Flash Gordon's love interest. Oh, she yeah. she's in it uh but there's really no one else that i recognized although i i think the the main bad guy might have been somebody i'd seen and stuff before but um basically an amateur photographer arrives in uh, a little town called potter's bluff uh and it starts out with this photographer he goes down by the uh ocean he's taking pictures of old um uh, kind of wreckage from boats and, and nets and netting and all kinds of stuff. So he's taking some photographs. This girl comes out and she's like, Hey, you want to take some photos of me? You know? And at first you think it's going to be some cheesy thing, but uh, it takes a, a dark turn quickly. And uh, he begins to realize that, Oh, this girl lured him really. And so basically uh Visitors come into this town and they're being murdered. And so the sheriff is, is investigating and uh, the sheriff isn't originally from the town. Uh, it's a little bit like Jaws in that way that it's a sheriff from someplace else. And he's not really uh, up on all of the, the um, traditions of the town and the town's people. And so he doesn't really know them that well. Uh, and he basically is investigating what's going on. Why are all these visitors being killed and who's doing the killing? And, uh, you quickly find, I mean, this isn't giving anything away. It's basically the whole town is doing it. And there is a bit of reanimator ish in there. Um, it, it. although I believe this came out before reanimator, if I'm not mistaken, this is 1981. I don't remember what year reanimator came out, but, um, but it, it's, it, it's, I've always liked this. It's very well shot. It's I I enjoyed it when I was younger, although it really freaked me. It kind of disturbed me when I was younger because uh, they, some, one of the killings, especially towards the end really kind of disturbed me a bit. And especially because there's all these towns, people like cheering it on and everything. And uh, I probably watched it when I was way too young to be uh, watching it. And uh, on I think it was on HBO or something like that when I was young and and I I probably shouldn't have watched it but uh I mean I was I guess I was 12 or 13 but it was it was pretty young for for the amount of violence that was in it but um very well shot very well done pretty tight um the acting isn't fantastic but I I am kind of um amazed that this one doesn't get a bigger following From horror fans you know reanimator does and uh scanners and all those movies like that and this is very um cronenberg-esque this film and it came out at the time that he was making a lot of his movies like this so i i always thought this is sort of a hidden gem but and and it's definitely one that i think if you're a big horror fan it's one that you got to check out and um it's it's very well done it, it gets a little darker maybe than the cronenberg cronenberg has a bit of a wit to him and a and a bit of a humor uh to what he's doing and and you see it in a lot of those movies but uh this one doesn't really have that and the script does get a little clunky at times but it's still worth checking out and that is 1981's uh Dead and Buried
1: I'm going to stick with that same year, 1981. It was a uh wonderful movie for film, uh unfortunately not for my next pick, which is the 1981 film uh Final Exam. I saw this on Amazon Prime. Uh okay, I I right off the bat, I got to say it had I like the opening effort. You know, A for effort on the opening. It's a typical you know, you've got two teenagers in a car parked in a real secluded area, and the guy keeps insisting, you know, that the girl go to the next line. It's the early stages of date rape, and, you know, we've seen it a hundred times. And then the girl all of a sudden, you know, amidst giving in to the temptations, she hears something. And, of course, the guy just blows it off because he's, you know, too busy fumbling with her under things. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's the killer. I, I get it. It's it's very formulaic. I had no problem. It was a solid start. Unfortunately, then you have to sit through like an hour of some of the worst character development I've seen in years. It's just Red herring after red herring. Uh, His whole next hour is just setting up who could potentially be the killer. Is it, you know, the geek? Is it the jock? Is it the local redneck sheriff? Is it the student that's been having the affair with the teachers all along? Unfortunately, after going through that much of a setup, I just didn't care. I mean, I kind of hoped all of them died because, you know, they had a really basic. All I wanted to do was turn on just a 1980s. Junky slasher horror film that I could just sit back and just enjoy. I didn't get that. it was just too much writing they they just tried setup after setup I mean it was uh it, it, if you were looking for you know bad writing and subpar effects and unnecessary nudity if that's even such a thing and a terrible soundtrack this this is it. this just sums it all up. I uh, granted, like I said before, the, the concept of this movie is basically there's a college that most of the students have left, but a big portion of them are still around for a final exam. And there's a killer on the loose and he's picking them off one at a time and you're trying to figure out who's doing it. Uh, this killer is nothing to be impressed with in the least, except for the fact that at one point he catches an arrow that's being shot directly at him from a bow. Um, apparently from what I've read on IMDb, that legitimately happened. Like that's a part of the reason this guy got, he was a stunt man. He got hired because of the fact that somebody shoots an arrow at him. He can catch it with his bare hands. So he he didn't catch it with his teeth. No, 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 no bare hands. Just being able to Ah. swipe it right out of the air. Well, I'm
0: far less impressed.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know if it was like a bullet in the teeth, I would have watched this movie twice, but (laughs) so anyway, I, I, I would really like to see somebody do a decent job of this whole concept. Maybe if they had a college campus that had more than eight people on it. But um, still, this just fell real short. Uh, This failed the final exam. So 1981's final exam on Amazon Prime. uh, If you have plenty of alcohol on hand, go ahead and watch it.
0: All right. Uh, Let's see. My next movie was... Oh, yeah. Hunted which is a I believe it's a, a French German British or uh, uh, Irish combination film um but it let me let me this one was it had potential it it was shot very well it it looked like it was directed quite well um it was not it, you know, there, there was nothing overtly wrong about it, but the problem was that the acting wasn't great, for one thing. But they they had a really weird setup. It was basically it's this French woman, and I believe they're in Europe. In fact, they probably are in France, although they never really say. But there's a lot of Americans for some reason, and they're all not. None of them are played by Americans. Everybody's speaking English in this. Um, but none of them are played by Americans. And the American accents are just awful. <laughs> like really bad. Like stereotypical. Hey, what you doing? Hey, buddy, what you doing? Kind of thing. And and, and it, it, it wasn't voices being dubbed. These were the actors uh, speaking with American accents. The main uh, bad guy, the main killer, he had an okay American accent. But she goes, she goes to, this girl goes to a, uh, a, a gas station, and uh, the the gas the station, the guy who's running the gas station, the attendant, he's got this horrible accent. Like it, 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 was literally talking like this. Like he's really trying his best to sound American. It was awful. But man,
1: I think you should do the whole review in that accent.
0: Yeah, talking like this, you know, and <laughs> you see. Um, Oh, it was was bad. And, and that kind of threw me a couple of times, even the main killer, uh, his, his accent, it was, it was better. It was good, but it wasn't great. Uh, And and there was no explanation why this, why they had to be American guys and why the gas station attendant had to be American. Uh, But so basically this, this, it starts out with this woman and she's, I believe on a business trip, she's staying in a motel uh, hotel and uh, she decides it, it. it's obvious she's got some problem with her boyfriend at home. They're texting back and forth. So she decides to go out and uh, kind of go to a bar, have a couple drinks, dance, get get her mind off of things. Well, there's a guy there who hits on her and he's real creepy about it and everything and she doesn't like it. So another guy comes and, and uh, uh, kind of defends her and says, oh, get out of here, get out of here whispers something to the guy and soon enough they uh they uh, the girl and the guy that rescued her they're out smoking a cigarette they start making out they go into his car and another guy gets into the car and starts driving away with them and and so it turns out these two guys are killers right they're serial killers and they've done this multiple times to a bunch of different women and i would think that being a tourist and a serial killer in an in a foreign country would be kind of hard to pull off but uh at any rate they wind up in the woods and there's sort of a uh, well not sort of there's a pretty obvious little red riding hood reference there's wolves around there's this woman uh, uh the woman is wearing a red coat and, and, you know very overt little red riding hood references uh it's the action you know she it, it spent a lot of time of her trying to get away you've seen this story a, a half dozen times if not more probably in much better movies like revenge and uh alone and movies like that in fact this one i felt like was really trying to be a lot like revenge uh but it's just not as good it the the uh, set pieces that they had for them weren't all that great there was some okay practical effects uh, but overall it just kind of it, it i was i was ready for it to be over with while i was watching it and that's never a good sign but i could be wrong i know i've seen a lot of people online who have uh, in groups that i'm in have posted about it and they love it it's got some good uh i guess some good reviews and stuff like that but it just didn't do anything for me but that is uh, 2020s hunted Boy, it sounds like uh, all of
1: the movies that we've watched uh, or watched for this episode, nothing's really uh, impressing either one of us. And I'm going to stick with that theme because I watched the 1988 movie Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. (laughs) So, okay, I'm going to I'm going to fully admit I watched this movie for the exact same reason that everybody else watches this movie. And that's just to simply stare at Elvira. Uh, Cassandra Peterson is showing us, again, what she does best. Uh, actually, she's showing us both of them. Uh, this script is, you know, over the top with the acting, and it's tons of like old vaudeville jokes. And I mean, I I've never really watched episodes of Elvira. I know what I'm getting into, though. I grew up outside of Chicago. I used to watch. Uh, it was called Son of Sfinguli. This guy would dress up, you know, with like monster makeup on and stuff, and he would introduce bad movies. And you just, you know, it was a Saturday afternoon ritual. And Elvira just did it much better because she was much better looking than uh, Son of Svinguli was. But anyway, it's, you know, like I said, you know what you're gonna get. Um, it's what I found out uh, in a little bit of research was Brad Pitt actually auditioned for this movie and got turned down because he was too good looking. Uh, which I, I thought was really odd because he was supposed to play Elvira's love interest. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I think it was one of the kids. But she thought that um, his he was so good-looking, he would just distract everybody from the real you know, love interest of the film. Also, I found out that Tim Burton was supposed to be the original director for this, or at least that's what Cassandra Peterson had wanted. Unfortunately, he was a little busy doing a film called Beetlejuice. So otherwise that actually would have been very interesting movie seeing Tim Burton uh, fool around in the Elvira universe. So, Uh, but anyway, it, it, you know, it's, it's a B film. That's what she's all about. Uh, She's a, well, she's a double D film, but uh, it, it was fun. It, you know, it it wasn't anything shocking or spectacular. Like I said, if you just want to oggle over elvira for an hour and 15 minutes this movie you could do a lot worse so uh they can't all be silence of the lamb. so anyway that's elvira mistress of the dark from 1988
0: yeah i saw her at um uh a horror convention out here a couple of years ago a, a midsummer scream and uh she i mean i don't know how old she's got to be in her i think 70s now if not at at least uh or not at least but at sixty late sixties or seventies somewhere yeah, in somewhere there. Out of there. Um and because I know she had uh dated uh Elvis <laughs> it was one of her Wow when she, was, when she was young dated Elvis but uh she but uh but she still looks great like she looks fantastic. Uh okay so the last movie I have is one that again did not do much for me it's called blood vessel from 2019 it was on shutter and near the end of world war ii the survivors of a torpedoed hospital ship cling to life aboard a crowded lifeboat with no food, water, or shelter, all seems lost until an eerily silent German minesweeper drifts ominously towards them, giving them one last chance at survival. So these people, and let me just, <laughs> part of the problem was it, it, it felt like this movie was made by committee and everybody chimed in with a whole bunch of ideas of what they should do and what the characters should be. But it, it, part of the the biggest problem is that the group – so there's a group of of people in a boat, in a rowboat, and they're out in the middle of the ocean. And it just so happens that they're all these strangely – it's this strange combination of people. There's two British people, a woman and a man, who work for the British government as sort of intelligence, I think. There's an American two American guys, there's a Russian guy, and then they have a German prisoner, all right? And and there might have been one other character, but they're all mixed like uh nations and I I just I, I didn't quite understand how that would happen and it just seemed like it was a committee thing oh you got to have a Russian guy and you got to have this the, the, each of these characters needs to be a distinct person so the easiest way to do that was have them all be a different from a different nation but it just didn't work and um, it, oh there was an Australian guy and of course he had the Australian hat on everybody's very stereotypical in this and um, so But anyway, they're they're adrift. I I guess they were on a boat that that capsized or felt, you know, sunk. They're adrift on this lifeboat. And suddenly this giant uh, warship, German warship, comes crashing towards them in the ocean. Uh, They... This ship on one in one shot, the ships looks like, you know, one of those carnival cruise lines where it's the the, the uh, it's so high up to the deck, they'd never be able to get up there. And then the next shot, it's, oh, we can just climb up. But it it, it, it was a little um, inconsistent there. But once they got on the ship, they realized that the the whole crew is dead and they can't figure out exactly what happened. Of course, they're all rotting or whatever. And they're and they uh, don't understand what's going on. Well, they find a little girl on there, which is very, it, that whole part of it is very, at least on the surface, very uh, much like Aliens. What was the little girl in, uh, rip, not Ripley, but um, there's a little girl in Aliens, you know. Uh, it's sort of like that in that way, but of course, she's not all that she seems. And there are there is something on this ship. And I won't give away any more, but it it definitely is a creature feature feel. But unfortunately, the creatures are kind of confined to one room and uh, use a little mind control, maybe, or whatever. But it doesn't really go – like, it, it, there's nothing about these creatures that is that scary. You're kind of like – you can kind of do them in pretty easily. <laughs> so I – and they're not zombies, so but um, and they're definitely intelligent creatures they're supposed to be powerful creatures it's it just didn't there was nothing that it did particularly well I and and that's pretty bad because normally these kinds of things where you've got a bunch of people stuck in a ship where they got to go searching and and going through dark corridors that kind of thing I would really you know it's kind of foolproof to me but it just didn't do anything all that well and the dialogue was was pretty bad um, it's not the worst movie I've seen. I, I would give it two and a half slashes. Uh, it's disappointing that, that my two and a half is, is that it's disappointing. And so um, that's where I've got it. So that is Blood Vessel from 2019.
1: This is, we just might as well re-title the show just Disappointment <laughs> across the board. Yeah. Um, I watched the 1989 supposed classic Society. Matt, have you ever seen this? No, never. No, seen I it. have. I have not seen okay. that one. This this was like shock for shock value with absolutely no substance. Um, I I think the whole concept of this movie started with a bunch of guys in the eighties high on cocaine that said, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if we had this really disgusting like sex orgy scene?" And they're like, yeah, great, let's make a movie about it. And then they realize on the first day of shooting they forgot to write a script around it. They just have the the idea, the concept for that one scene. But uh, this, this takes place out in Beverly Hills, I guess. It's a bunch of real rich white folks that uh, there's a – the family has a son who, you, you know, you find out he's adopted. But the uh, their their natural daughter, she's supposed to be getting – primped up for some sort of cotillion or coming out party or welcoming in. I I don't know. I didn't even care, but the whole thing culminates to this giant ending scene. And it's this big orgy with all these disgusting fat white people that end up glomming into each other and becoming one massive unit of human flesh. Uh, this all the effects were done by a guy by the name of Screaming Mad George, in the '80s horror slasher film. This guy is just you know very well known. He was clearly influenced with by uh, Salvador Dali because that that's what this mass, this amalgamation of human form, ended up looking like when it was done. But again, the whole movie I, it was just one bizarre twist after another. This was the directorial debut of Brian uh, Yuzna. Uh, This was the beginning of a long list of shock-for-shock value films like uh, Beyond a Reanimator and The Dentist. And in my personal opinion, the worst of them all was Faust, which was based on the uh, Tim Vigil comic book that I used to read like in high school and college, Uh, which actually seems quite related to this 1989 movie society. Um, There's really bizarre concepts in there. There's this... uh, Character, her name's Mrs. Carlin. She's played by this huge, massive woman named uh, Pamela Matheson. She's a parent of some of these kids in this film, and her whole role seems to be she acts just like this speechless mongoloid who just walks around scaring the kids, wanting to eat their hair. I, I had no idea where they were going with this. It's again, like I said, it's just bizarre for bizarre sake. Um, did I? I, I I have seen other people reference this movie in, like, horror-themed documentaries, like, oh, you got to see this movie. It's it's a classic. And, yeah, that one visual scene at the end is classic, and I do think everybody should see it just so that they've got a bar for that 80s horror genre to say, you know, well, at least it wasn't as bad as society. But, um, you know, like I said, it, it's something – If you can catch it for nothing, go ahead and watch it. It was on Amazon Prime, I believe. Uh, But I I gave this thing one dull star.
0: All right. Well, Joe has spoken. (laughs) For several minutes, actually. (laughs) Do you um, have any others that you wanted to talk about? Uh,
1: Uh, Because I I am out.
0: I'm out of movies.
1: I, I actually have two. There's obviously a homework assignment that you didn't do. What was that? Because I asked you, I, I want somebody else to watch drive and massacre.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
1: So I will, I will hold that one back okay. until we could talk about it some other time.
0: Mm-hmm. But I did
1: see one other, it was on Netflix. It just came out. It was a series uh, shot in South Korea uh, called sweet home. And it is a 10 part series. Uh, each episode is about an hour long. Uh, it's these this these people that are held up in like an apartment complex and all of a sudden people start turning into monsters and i'd like to stress monster not zombie um it, it the first episode really does a fantastic job of sucking you in i was i actually when i started watching this i didn't even realize it was a series i thought it was a movie and there was so much action and uh, thrill packed into the first 52-minute episode that I was like, oh, my God, how are they going to wrap this up? That's when I realized, oh, I've got nine more episodes of this I have to watch. But I didn't care because the first one was so good. The second one was very good. Uh, actually, it just it kept getting better up until about the halfway point. And that's when I felt, you know, it granted, it just anybody that hates reading, this is all subtitles. Uh, it's all done in Korean. The I, I think the thing that honestly pulled me into this at the beginning was the design of these monsters. A lot of them really looked like they were right out of the uh, the video game Resident Evil. And when I say that right out of, I mean like they didn't enhance the graphics at all. Like it really looked like graphics were that bad. Like you could tell you know, they're just staring up at the sky and then they'll just draw in this computer graphics monster later. Um, I was at the first couple episodes, I was willing to look past how bad the graphics were in hopes that they would get better. They might evolve evolve throughout it, but they really didn't. And once that little gimmick sort of wore off, so did the storyline and it started dragging on and on. The last two episodes, I got to admit, were kind of laborious to get through. And after finishing it, I'm lost. I have no idea what I just watched. Um, I, part of me thinks, God, I hope there's a whole nother season. Cause maybe they'll answer all these questions that I have, you know, like what happened to the main character, all these characters that lived went off to go do other things, but I don't know what they're doing or where they're going or more importantly, why, or, or for whom. But uh, you know, I guess, that's what you would find out if there was another season. However, the last four episodes of this series were so slow. I don't know if I'd be willing to put in another 10 hours worth of time to find out the answers to those questions. But, um, I, I would say, give it a shot. see. That's the thing. I would recommend this just because the first four or five episodes were really pretty good. They were, they were quite riveting, but just be warned. You know, I, I, I can't guarantee you that you're, that's going to be a thrill ride to the end. But, um, and that's the thing. Once you invest five hours into a 10 hour film, you might as well just finish it out. And that's kind of like how I felt, uh, you know, like I, I was so invested in it. I, I felt like if I stopped watching it, I would have wasted five hours of my life. So, uh, so that being said, I, it's just, I'd say be cautious uh, going into it. If you're a fan of the genre, uh there's some wonderful horror films that come out of South Korea. I, I thought this was gonna be one of them. It's not bad. I I I won't I won't slam it at all. It's just uh it didn't exactly go in a direction I was hoping for. So anyway, that was Sweet Home and you find that on Netflix.
0: All right. Yeah, I actually had one more, and that was uh the chilling adventures of or chilling adventures of Sabrina. Uh episode or, like, I think this was season four four if i'm not mistaken it it uh it wraps up because they well the uh hbo canceled the series so it wraps it up pretty well this was a really good season though overall i didn't care for the last season season three i thought went off the rails a bit uh but part four is actually really good so if you were disappointed by the previous season of buff of uh sabrina um then I, I think you're you're really gonna like this because I I thought they did some extremely interesting things. A couple of the episodes were I thought really experimental, and uh, I thought it was a just a good way to close out. I I would like for them to keep it going, and I know there's a huge petition uh at Netflix to to keep it going, but if they don't, this was a really good way to to end things. Uh, okay. So Joe, we've got a story. All right. And now we've gotten the formalities out of the way. Yeah. And
1: get down to brass tacks.
0: Get down to brass tacks is right. So but the first thing I need to do is find the story. Where is it here? It was right there. Um uh, you know, maybe some uh waiting on me finding the music uh, background music yeah um, did you have another one uh or- well no
1: it was just that uh drive-in massacre
0: <laughs> oh yeah 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 which yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Well, no. You know, one thing I was thinking, though, is, well, I'm looking. Okay, I found it. Uh, one thing I was thinking, though, that we could do is maybe, I know we had talked about having a theme for the next episode. I was, I thought yes. a, a built-in theme would be uh, us each picking three movies from the other ones, which would be easy, because I think we only had one or two movies. One overlap. Yeah, yeah, we we only had one overlap, right? Yeah, in our top twenty. Uh, yeah. But each of us pick like three or four movies from the other person's uh, top twenty or top ten of 2020, and watch it, and and then and then we'll talk about what we thought about it. Is that going to be boring for the listeners
1: because they just heard us talk about
0: these? I don't or? think so. I think that no. uh, they're gonna they'll hear a different opinion maybe of.
1: of One, your- yeah, I get it. Now once we put our Matt and Joe classic spin on it.
0: Well, and maybe it won't be It'll you know, be it won't be the, maybe we'll it won't be the main focus of that episode. Maybe we'll still also talk about other movies that we had seen, but but it'll be uh, part of the episode is talking about what I thought of a few of yours. Yeah. Plus Drive in Massacre. Plus Drive in Massacre. Right. That's right. Which was not on your list. No. Okay. Cuz it um, wasn't from 2020. So, Joe, just south of just southwest of Chicago. Oh, you're jumping into this now. I am jumping into this okay. story right, right now. All right, all right. I I gotta buckle my seatbelt. Oh, buckle your seatbelt. And uh, any uh, pre, you know, maybe some sort of, um, I don't know. Lead organ, in, organ lead in. You know, creepy organ lead in. That would be fun
1: If If you decided
0: to. Or maybe Sinatra doing My Kind of
1: Town. Uh, Chicago is.
0: I guess you know. Call it me huh? Yeah, that could be. Um, so, south, just southwest of Chicago, on Archer Avenue, in Justice Illinois, across the street from Resurrection Cemetery. Justice the Bar? Huh? Justice Illinois? Uh Justice Illinois. Yeah, it's uh, a, a like right next to Shermer, Illinois. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh any any other questions, Joe, if you have about this. No, sure Sher-
1: Shermer, Illinois is where uh John Hughes made all of his oh. films. Shermer, Illinois doesn't exist. Oh it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a Practice Club, yeah. Oh. Well no I just never heard of Justice, Illinois. I didn't realize it was a real town.
0: No, it's a real town. And I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I believe it's a southwest suburb of Chicago. Okay. And not a made-up John Hughes town. <laughs> uh so, Justice Illinois, across the street from Resurrection Cemetery is a bar called Chet's Melody Lounge. Now, remember this, Joe. Chet's. Yes. Chet's Melody Lounge. R- There's no reason for you to remember that. I just like you remembering things sometimes. <laughs> Chet's is a, is a classic roadside tavern with a pool table, jukebox, and whatnot. So, an old Southsider by the name of Vince, uh, he, he's told this story for decades, Joe. I'm not sure if he's still alive now, but last I heard, according to the Chicago Reader, he is, and he still tells this story to anyone who will listen. One night, he goes there looking for you know, some entertainment, maybe to dance, and he gets in, and there's a nice ballroom inside this place. He gets there, and uh, he spots a pretty blonde girl in a white dress, and he says... As casually as he could manage, he walks up to her and says, hey, it ain't right to stand still for Count Basie. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) quite a line there, isn't it? So I'm
1: assuming Count Basie at the time was a current artist.
0: Yes, right. Let's hope so. Uh, I'm in the time
1: zone, yeah. Yeah,
0: if it was, uh, no, no, this is way back, Joe.
1: We're still in the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I don't know. I might stand still for Count Basie in the eighties.
0: Hey, it ain't right to stand still to Count Basie. Why don't we cut a rug on this one? That's quite an opening line, there, Joe. I, I don't think that's, I just, that's a lock right yeah, there. That, that's, that's, the, that's that should be registered as a lethal weapon. Yes. Uh, okay. So, the girl smiles. Of course, as as she... How could she not? Yeah. I'm smiling. Yeah. And they joined the jitterbugging throng on the parquet floor. Now, you know this is old because it's a parquet floor. The band played a few more fast numbers, Boogie Woogie and Jeepers Creepers, so Vince didn't get a chance to talk to his partner. That he didn't mind too much. Sometimes girls asked what he did for a living, and he was just a bookkeeper at the Union Stockyard's. But when the band sagged into Begin the Big Wine. Begin begin the Big big Wine? Big Wine. Big Wine. Vince. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Vince was finally able to. That is a word I was not expecting to pop up. (laughs) This is a Sammy Davis song, I know. Uh, Okay. All right. Sammy Davis Jr. or Senior? No, Junior. Okay. So, anyway. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if Junior and Senior. I don't know if Senior had a whole bunch of hits. But, I don't think you know, did, but actually, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much you can just say Sammy Davis. Yeah. Uh, as they slow danced, he noticed for the first time that the girl's hands were cold. Can you dig that? Yeah. Your skin was brittle. I, there's no sound effect for brittle skin, I don't think, Joe. But if you find one, go ahead and use we'll it. We'll come up with something. Mary seemed to notice that he noticed it, too. So he made what he hoped was a lighthearted remark cold hands mean you have a warm heart. This guy's full of them, Joe. My God, this guy is just a machine. <laughs> he is a machine. So, they danced together for the rest of the evening. After the final number, Vince offered Mary a ride home. Her place was just a straight shot up Arth- archer. She gave him her address. and uh, But after they had driven north for a few miles, she insisted he pull over the car outside the locked gates <laughs> of Resurrection Cemetery, the graveyard of Chicago's Polish community. Vince was baffled, but he complied. Mary opened the door and stepped out onto the roadside. I have to go, she said, and you can't follow me. Then she walked toward the gates, laid a hand on the iron chain that bound the gates together, and she vanished. Vince spent the rest of the night driving his Chevy up and down Archer Avenue looking for the blonde girl in the white dress but he did not see her. Finally, he went to the address she told him where she lived, knocked on the door and said, "I'm looking for the girl who lives here. I just been give, gave her a ride home." She stepped out of my car, you know, he 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 relayed the whole story. The woman living there said, "What are you talking about? There used to be a girl by that description by the name of Mary, but she died." Five years ago. So people in Chicago will tell you, especially people who live on the south side, will tell you uh, on a night much like this one, uh, if you are driving in Justice, Illinois, you might pick up a hitchhiker who is blonde with a white dress. And some have claimed, in fact, Joe, this is where it be becomes personal. This I story. don't think
1: I could ever pick up that girl because I am nowhere near as smooth as the guy in the story.
0: Well, no, you don't have, I the, don't, I don't have the material. No, no, you don't have those lines. But uh, Joe, this is where the story becomes personal for me because okay. uh, I worked with a guy who claimed to have picked up Resurrection Mary in his car one night. Uh, under just such circumstances she was standing on the corner waved him down thinking it was a cab apparently he says anyway and uh drive a big yellow buick <laughs> yeah, He you know a big yeah. black and yellow checkered car yeah um total coincidence <laughs> it's coincidence but he picks her up and uh she talks. And then as they, in his story though, that he didn't stop at Resurrection Cemetery, he said that she disappeared out of the back of his car as they drove past Resurrection Cemetery. So this Joe is the legend and this is anybody, if you've ever lived in Chicago or you've been around the area, most people, including Joe, I I have lived in Chicago, Matt. Yeah. Most people are aware of this story of Resurrection Mary. Uh, And that's it. That's our little story for the week. Uh, Please, everyone, send us your ghost stories because I am plumb out of them now. No matter how outlandish they may be. Yeah. Uh, I have received one or two that I just couldn't fashion into a a narrative at all. Um, but But if you can... Uh, but uh, if you give it at least something to work with, then we will work with it and turn it into well, the, one of the masterpieces you've heard here. We'll turn it into fried gold. Yeah. So Joe, I guess that's it. Um, we Another week down. Actually, this episode went longer than I thought it was going to. I, I yes. thought we, we didn't have as much material as we did, but. Oh, we've always got just tons and tons of stuff we could chat about. This is true. Yeah. So, everybody, I hope you guys have a great week, or a couple weeks, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.